0: We look tonight at one of the most famous songs that has ever been written. I'm referring to what is called the Magnificat, a song written 2,000 years ago or so, one that is so well-known it just simply goes by its title in Latin. This was not song was not written in Latin. It was written in Greek, but it was translated into Latin. And the very first word of this Latin song is Magnificat. The word Magnificat is that from which we get the word or the phrase, my soul doth magnify the Lord. What is the Magnificat? It is the magnification song. It is The song of a heart of this young woman named Mary who is simply overflowing in her praise and her joy in God. What I want to do tonight is look at this song, but even more specifically look at the heart that was able to write or that was able to proclaim such a song. Last week we looked in the book of Joshua. And we understood that one of the primary themes of this Old Testament book of Joshua is not merely that God is fulfilling his old covenant promise to his people. Not only that God is fulfilling the word that he gave to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, that he would deliver this promised land to his covenant people. That is absolutely a theme of Joshua, but it's not the only one. Nor is the theme of Joshua um, not the only theme, the battle and the warfare that was going on as a picture of our own battle in our spiritual lives. One of the primary themes of Joshua is the exaltation of God's leader, Joshua. As we looked at last week, that in that day when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River on dry land, scripture says that God magnified Joshua. And in the same way we saw God has magnified his leader, Jesus the Christ. He has exalted him. He has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And the connection we drew last week is that if we want to obey Jesus, if we want to follow him as our captain and leader in life, he must be magnified in our eyes. He must be exalted with the glory that he actually has. We looked at that last week. Now this week, I want to bring in the example of someone whose soul was magnifying the Lord, exalting him. The idea of this word, magnifying, is the idea in the original Greek of blowing up, of making bigger of looking at your Adobe PDF screen and clicking, I want to go from 50% magnification to 75% to 100%. I am going to blow this up. And so the picture here that Mary is communicating is she is saying, my soul is blowing up, is exalting God so that he appears bigger in my vision than he did before. The simple point tonight is this. How are you and I going to magnify God in our daily experience? How is God going to be bigger in your vision tomorrow than he was today? How is he going to be bigger tonight in our vision than he was yesterday? My soul doth magnify the Lord. I want to be very practical tonight at looking at this wonderful example of this blessed woman named Mary. Looking at her circumstances and trying to piece together from her song what was her secret, if you will. What was her experience in magnifying the Lord that perhaps you and I can apply to our own experience tonight. The title of the message is simply this, Magnifying the Lord. Will we magnify the Lord tonight, together, and this week. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to start just by explaining a little bit about what Mary is going on, and what is going on, excuse me, in Mary's life, and then try to look at some specific clues from the text here that might explain why she was magnifying the Lord. What's going on? Well, we started in verse 26 here in Luke chapter 1 for context with one of the most famous scenes in all of the Bible. The angel Gabriel, the messenger angel, appears to Mary and tells her some very shocking news. She is going to have a baby. And she responds in very significant surprise because she says, I have never known a man. She is a virgin. How can I have a baby? And as he explains to her, the power of of God will come upon you. He's what he says in verse 35. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So there was going to be a miraculous divine element in implanting this child in her womb. This child would be full, as as, as the old creed puts it, very God of very God and very man of very man. And how does she respond? Notice verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid, literally the servant, the female slave, that's what she is identifying herself as, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Do whatever you say to me. Her posture is of submission. Now we see in verse 39, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. Now there would be a reason that she would do this. She was now pregnant. And she was pregnant as an unmarried woman. Unlike in our country today and in our culture when that has ceased to be scandalous, in Jesus' day that would have been remarkably scandalous. It's no surprise that she would have made a beeline away from home, away from her neighborhood, to, if you will, allow some of the shock to subside. She goes into a city of Judah and enters into the house of Zacharias and salutes or greets Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth, as you know, is also pregnant. She, unlike Mary, is not a young virgin. She is an older woman who is barren. She is not able to have a child through the natural means. And you know from the first part of this chapter likely that God has appeared to Zacharias. He has said to Zacharias that you will have a son. You will call his name John. And so what happens to Zacharias? Zacharias doesn't believe. He doesn't have that submissive faith that Mary does. And God says, you will not speak until you have a child. So I want you to imagine this. Mary comes to Elizabeth's house. It's a quiet house. Not a lot is being said in that house. And so Mary and Zacharias get some really nice girl time, okay? They, they don't have to get interrupted by husband. He's not speaking. He's over there in the corner somewhere. He's quiet. He's silent. I know, ladies, that's what you've been hoping for for a long time. Just some quiet lady time without the interruption of us Husbands. Yes, I know this was exactly what is going on. We see here then, in verse number 42, that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She has this spiritual word for Mary herself. She said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation, of your greeting, sounded in my ears... The babe leaped in my womb for joy. A reaction of John the Baptist in her womb. Verse 45, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior first thing that we're going to look at here tonight is is a connection that I want to draw for you that I believe the text draws for us. How did Mary magnify the Lord? How did she exalt him? How did she blow him up in her perception? The first thing was this connection. It was that she rejoiced in God. She magnified God Because she rejoiced in God. Well, you see with me here in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Her magnifying the Lord was connected indelibly to her rejoicing in the Lord. And I just want to pause and note how simple this is. This connection is everywhere around us. Take the business world. The next time you come across an advertisement for any kind of commercial good, ask how many people in that advertisement are using the product being advertised with a frown on their face. Looking like, this is terrible that I am sitting in this above ground pool. We are having no fun whatsoever. Of course not. The very nature of advertising is to present to you that the product is causing people to rejoice, to be happy, to have fun. This is the advertising magic. It is, these people are having fun. You will have fun too if you use our product. And this is just simply the case in anything. If you as a spouse wanted to magnify the virtues of your spouse to others, my husband, my wife, is a wonderful spouse. How good a job would it be if every time you were speaking about your spouse, you were complaining? Man. This person is not doing, I, I can never say, they never seem to do it right. I'm miserable. I'm not having a good time in your marriage. How much would you be magnifying the glories, the beauties of your spouse? Not at all. Now, what about if your every time you spoke of your spouse to other people, you were communicating your joy, your contentment, your happiness, The blessing of God in your spouse. How do you think other people would think of your spouse? They'd probably say, well, you got a good one. If you're so happy in this person, there must be something right about your marriage. My soul magnifies what I rejoice in. And that connection is true across every area of life. And it is true of God. If you magnify God you will rejoice in him you cannot separate those two things one of John Piper as you know here in Minneapolis one of his greatest contributions to the to the Christian church in our age is simply the phrase God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him and there's absolutely truth in what he says God is most glorified in us. He is most exalted. He is most magnified when we are most satisfied in him, when we rejoice and delight in him. So let's draw that connection for ourselves today. Do you want to glorify God? Do you want to magnify him? Then you cannot have that without rejoicing in him without being happy in him, without delighting in who he is for you. It's an interesting thing here, the connection that Mary is bringing out here in her exaltation in God. Because her spirit, her soul, had clearly been steeped in the Old Testament of our Bibles. This song, I won't take you there, but you can look it up on your own. Compare Mary's song, the Magnificat, to to Hannah's song, in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's actually, there's some real similarities. This is how Hannah's song begins. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our god this is mary an overflowing heart in joy that is now magnifying exalting glorifying the lord and mary's song has glorified and magnified the lord for millions who have opened this book to luke chapter one and seen what god had done for her just one practical thought for you how do you make your soul happy in the Lord. How do you make your soul rejoicing in God? This is a wonderful um, piece that I came across um, from George Mueller. Many of you know George Mueller as the great prayer warrior, the man who ran orphanages in England and had just miraculous answers to prayer, seemingly happening all the time. What you may not know about George Mueller is about his devotional habit. Listen to what George Mueller said. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I uh, I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing he worried about every day was whether his soul was happy in the Lord. Listen to what he went on to say. The, um, The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, But how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet not being happy in the Lord and not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day. All this might not be attended to in a right spirit. Let me ask about your devotional time. Are you focused on rejoicing in the Lord before you leave your time with God each morning? Are you focused on being happy and contented in Him and who He is for you you, before you leave your house for the day? Do you want to magnify the Lord this week? Then you better be happy in Him. You better be rejoicing in Him and what He has done for you. So that's the first connection we draw. She was magnifying the Lord, and it was connected to her rejoicing in God, her Savior. The second thing that we're going to look at here is what I'm going to call the conviction. The conviction. Notice here in verse 47, after she says, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, she said, for he hath regarded or or looked upon the low estate, literally the humble estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. I want to just bring out one tension here. Did it occur to you that while Mary was speaking the Magnificat, She had really not received the full blessing from God. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean this. God's plan for Mary did not immediately involve what appeared to be blessing. It came with what appeared to be difficulty. Trouble. Do you know what difficulty was in first century Judah? Get pregnant out of wedlock. That's difficulty. Do you know what's difficulty in first century Judea? Oh yeah, I'm pregnant, but it was God who did it. Not my fornication. How many people do you think Mary told that story to? Yeah, an angel appeared to me. He told me I was pregnant from God. And this guy, who is, who, my son, who I'm going to bear, is going to be God's Messiah. How many people looked at her and said, oh, Yeah, okay, all right, no problem now. We believe you. How hard was it for someone who was, frankly, probably a 16, 17, 18-year-old girl to receive that kind of social stigma, that kind of social pressure, and that much alienation in her life? You say, you're overselling it, am I? Why wasn't that in the book of John, when Jesus is speaking to the Jews of his day, they say, a very interesting comment, they say, We are not born of fornication. What are they saying about Jesus? We don't know where you're from. There's some pretty suspicious rumors about you. We know who our father is. We know who our parentage is. We're not born of fornication. What do you think Mary received in her life when she is going to Elizabeth's house? She has received the news that she is pregnant. Had she started experiencing yet? We don't know. It depends how quickly she went to Elizabeth's house. She may not have even been experiencing any of the physical symptoms of pregnancy yet. And yet, she was looking ahead if she was indeed pregnant. She was looking ahead to social stigma and rejection and isolation from her community. And she said, "My soul is rejoicing in God, my Savior. Stop and think about that for a little bit. She wasn't fast-forwarding generations ahead to see Jesus as the exalted one. She wasn't fast-forwarding ahead to the time when she said from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. She was living in the moment, and all from a human perspective that she could look forward to was difficulty, in the short term, not blessing. And still, in that moment, she said, my soul rejoices in God my Savior. What explains that? If we get down to the, to, to the nub of what explains that, we're going to learn how you and I can rejoice. Because friends, let's be honest. What keeps us from rejoicing in God? Our present circumstances, isn't it? Life is hard. Relationships are hard. Our marriages are hard. Our family lives are difficult. Work is stressful. Things don't go well. We want more money in the bank account than we have right now. Our retirement accounts are feeling a little bit stressed. Life is hard. And we're so burdened by it that we can't stop and rejoice in the Lord. And now, friends, look at Mary. Look at how Mary had it. You say, what were Mary's earthly circumstances? Well, we get an idea from from this passage when she says, He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. What was her? One of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things. Who's that? Her. She goes on to talk about the poor. The poor that are there as well. The rich he has sent empty away in contrast to the hungry and poor like she was. What's the point? This was a woman who was facing difficulty, and in the midst of it, she could rejoice. Now, that's one point that I want to make. That's one tension. But look what also she says. Will you notice again with me? Verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. What was in contrast to her present difficulty? Her conviction that God had done great things to her. You say, even things she hadn't seen yet? Yeah, even things she hadn't seen yet. Even things that she only could hope for. Now, let's get this straight. True rejoicing in God is not dependent on your present circumstances or mine. It is not dependent on difficulties in the present, no matter how alienating and isolating and distressing like Mary's. Rejoicing in God is about the conviction that God has done good things for me, even if I can't see them. And I've said this, and I'll continue saying it over and over and over again. I, I've been teaching my children, what is faith? Faith is seeing what you cannot see. Faith is seeing what you cannot see. What was faith for Mary? Faith was her looking at a flat stomach, perhaps no symptoms of pregnancy, looking to a prophecy that would, that would lead to her social rejection and isolation, and looking heavenward and said, He that is mighty has done to me great things. Do you remember what Elizabeth said about her in verse 45? And blessed is she that believed. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which which were told her from the Lord. You know what is necessary to magnifying God? It's not just being happy in God. It is being hopeful in God. You want to be happy in God? You want, to be, you want to be magnifying God? Be happy in God. Be happy in God in no matter your present circumstances by being hopeful in God. This is the message of Psalm 42. You remember the psalmist in great distress in Psalm 42. He's, saying, he's, he's preaching a sermon to himself. He's saying, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? I'm feeling distressed. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling, I'm feeling distressed. And what does he say? Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him. Hope in God. Here's the simple practical point for all of us. Every single one of us is going through difficulty right now in different ways. You have your own distresses in a way that are different from mine and they're different from everyone else's. The only way that you and I will rejoice in the midst of distress and difficulty is when we exercise hope in God in what we don't see. It is when we exercise the faith that Mary had to say, I know what God has done for me even when I don't and can't feel it. It is the eye of faith to look to what God has promised and bank even my present feelings that it will come to pass. Mary was convinced in what God had done and in that faith, she could look at the present distress in front of her and say, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. First of all, the connection. Do you want to magnify God? You're going to need to learn to be happy in God. Secondly, a conviction. Do you want to be happy in God? You're going to need to learn how to be hopeful in God even when you don't see it now. Third, Mary's concern. Mary's concern. How are we going to be hopeful in God, no matter our distress that is in front of us now? I want to suggest, finally, that you and I must be humble in God. We must be humble in God. Listen to what Mary says again. She says in verse 47, my, excuse me, verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior for he hath regarded the low or the humble estate of his handmaiden for behold from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed for he that is mighty hath done to me great things and holy is his name. What I think so hinders us from being hopeful in God and ultimately being happy in God is because we are not humble in God. Because we do not see ourselves like Mary does as being someone truly of a humble estate. Let me try to explain it to you like this. If you have ever experienced a child who was spoiled, What picture comes to your mind of a spoiled child? The word that might come to mind would be entitled. Have you ever dealt with someone who is entitled? What is is the primary characteristic of someone who is entitled? They get stuff that's good, and they think they deserve it. That's what a spoiled child, that's what an entitled person is all about. They get good things, but they cannot rejoice in those good things because in their view, it just comes with the program. It just comes with who I am and what I deserve. Now, notice the entitled person cannot truly ultimately be happy. Because what they are receiving is rooted not in what they have been given graciously. It is only in what they deserve. And so there always is something beyond. There is always another thing that they deserve. Another thing to which they're entitled. And they can never sit back in the contentment of saying, I have received more than I deserve. And it is enough you know what is absolutely central to our joy in God is our clear sense that I do not deserve anything good from him by my merit. That the grace of God in which we stand is the one who, like a beggar, has our hand out to him and says, you alone have provided the good to which I receive today how else could the apostle paul say these words having food and raiment or clothing let us be content how can a person be content when he or she has nothing more than food and clothing how could it be that the apostle paul locked up in a philippian jail being beaten savagely at midnight is singing praises joyfully to God with his fellow prisoner Silas. How can it be that Jesus the Christ, in Hebrews chapter 12, it is said of him, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. How? It is because for that person, for the person whose life is devoted to humble submission, to humble obedience. There is not the entitlement that says, yes, thank you, God, is exactly what I deserved." But it's the one for whom the blessings of God are simply seen as the products of unmerited favor, of undeserved grace, which allows us to rejoice happily in God for what He has given and for what he has not given. What Mary said was simply this. I'm a handmaiden of low degree, of low estate. God has condescended to give me one of the greatest privileges that ever any human being has ever received. And yes, with it will come difficulty and challenge and trouble. But you know, that's what he has provided. And I can sit Humbly in what he has put before me. Psalm chapter 34 is another Old Testament passage that comes that, that connects very closely to this song of Mary. It must have been a song that Mary was well familiar with. Listen to how Psalm 34 begins. David says... I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. The humble, the humble are the one who hear other people blessing the Lord and say, yup, I'm going to be glad with you. It is the humble who can rejoice in the Lord. And verse 3 of Psalm 34 says, O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Friends, what was the overwhelming characteristic of Mary's Magnificat? There were two things. Humble faith. Humble faith. Do you want to rejoice in God this week? You and I are going to need to learn to walk in humble faith that doesn't think much about myself and accepts The blessings that he has given me, even the ones I can't yet see with simple conviction and clarity about what he's done. And only when I am standing in that humble faith that is allowing me to rejoice in what God is for me today, only then will I truly be able to magnify him in the eyes of others. One more example as we close. Perhaps sometime this year, for you or at some point in the past, something came in for you from your employer. It was a notice that you got a bonus. Maybe that bonus was of specific size. Maybe it had three digits. Maybe it had four. Maybe it even had five. Maybe you got a letter or an email saying you've qualified for this bonus. Do you know something? When you got that bonus letter from your employer... You probably started rejoicing. And here's the kicker. You probably started rejoicing before the the bonus even hit your, your, your account, before the check was even cut. You got a bonus this year. Now, why were you able to rejoice in that bonus, that bonus letter before you even got the bonus check? It's because you trusted your employer that your employer would follow through. And if your employer said you got a bonus, a check would be coming. Now, why do you rejoice in that? But you don't rejoice in the email you get from the Nigerian prince telling you that you have $3 million in an account that's just waiting for you if you just respond. Why don't you rejoice in that one? It's because you don't trust the Nigerian prince. You trust your boss. And in the same way, friends... If you and I want to rejoice in the Lord and if you and I want to magnify him this week, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what difficulties and distresses you and I are facing this week, you're going to go back, if you will, to the bonus letter and you're going to read it and you're going to say, God tells me I've been blessed with all blessings in heavenly places in Christ whether I realize it or not, whether I fully experience it or feel it this week or not, this book, this letter to me tells me who I am in God and who God is to me. And friends, when you take that letter and you stand on it in humble faith, this week you might be able to say with Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior.